Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Big Podcast with Bob Goff and friends. I'm the co-host, Scott Schimmel. I'm here with Bob Goff. And before we get to you, Bob, uh, we wanted to essentially interrupt our plan for the podcast and spend some more time talking about what we're all going through. And so for the first time, we're having a repeat guest on the show, Miles Adcox. Why, why did we want to, why did you want to get Miles on the show? Boy, if you haven't met Miles before in our earlier podcast, spin that up. He's just a, uh, in addition to being one of my best friends, he's a professional in the mental health area. He runs a outfit called Onsite outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and just scores of people have gone there. Another real good friend, Don Miller, had written a book called Scary Close about what he learned, which is just an awesome book. And um, uh, so many friends have been there and written books about what they learned along the way. But I thought particularly now, during this time where there's a lot of stress, a lot of emotional mm-hmm. stress that's kind of the unseen, that we would kind of peel that back, bring in a trusted voice, a calm voice in that, and just have a candid discussion about how we are wired to respond in these difficult times. We're all responding differently, obviously, whether you're having big feelings or just life is carrying on. It's an important time to pause, reflect, consider, and I'm, I'm excited for you to listen into. The conversation that Miles and Bob have, because not only are they such good friends, but they just spew out wisdom for what we're all going through. So grab a journal, listen up. Yeah, so that's it. Get your journal, get your pen, get some tea. Uh, I don't know, get a Pop-Tart, whatever it is that gets you in the right space uh, to just take a deep breath and uh, settle down. Here are some words from a really kind and knowledgeable person, my friend Miles Adcox. Hey, Miles, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. I'm looking at you on the screen here, and it's just good to see your face. Oh, I can't tell you. Thank you for having me, one. Uh, but it's good to see you, too, my friend. I miss you. I wish I was sitting over there with you. Yeah, this uh, this uh, is an unusual time, uh, but every time really has its own unusual features. Uh, we're right now in the middle of a lockdown for a lot of people, but uh, I think there's a lot of people that were feeling a little locked down before. It was just different things that they're paying attention to. And I just think that everybody would enjoy some of your perspectives on this. I mean, you in the mental health space are uh, a person that a lot of people look to. I'm one of them. If you're a calm and cool and collected guy, but you're also super real and authentic when you're You'll just let us know the things that you're puzzled about and the stuff you're positive about. So tell us about some of the things that you do uh, during times of stress and uncertainty and how we respond and uh, how we can find our way to our better angels in that. Sure. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, you know, what an interesting time. And I think you said it well. There are um, so many of us that... uh, and I can relate that that feel locked down in some capacity, but also it's very reflective and relative to a process that I get to lead people through week in, week out at onsite. Because in a sense, we run you know short-term intensive workshops, and people, for whatever reason, life might give them some adversity or invite them in uh, through difficult times, or some people just opt in to just kind of stop time and stop all the noise, stop all the busy come to our little sanctuary for four days or a week and in a sense do what they're being forced to do now it's quarantine away from busy 
and look in and figure out how we can go out and live it live better. So uh, it's been fascinating to see the parallels to how we've never. I, I see this week in and week out, and I see it more as an op uh, uh, an opportunity than an obstacle. But I've never seen us globally as humanity be kind of in our own version of that. So one of the things I've been doing to, to answer your question is I. I see this as an opportunity not just to be stuck or paralyzed in the lockdown component, but see what I can unlock or what's being invited to be opened up to look at how I can come out of this thing better than I came into it. I think that's the invitation in front of all of us is we've got this big mirror moment to be facing something that we can't run from anymore, which is us. And in some cases, the people closest to us. And so what do we do with that? What do we learn from that? How do we walk out of that a bit more connected than we came into it? I think that's the invitation. There's a lot of creative ways to get there and to stay there. But in a sense, uh, as at an overview, that's what I'm trying to spend more time doing is taking a look at this as an opportunity rather than an obstacle. Yeah, I thought about this idea of quarantine. It's like nothing gets out, nothing gets in. But I actually want to use this as a time to receive a lot of things, more like an osmosis machine that like filters out the stuff that you don't want to get in, and it lets the right stuff in. And so I just need to, to turn on the, the vents and to say, hey, I want to go deeper and deeper on some things. Uh, we've been teasing a little bit that uh, for as you and I and our friendship for years and years, you've heard me say how I want to get home more. And uh, it feels like heaven just leaned over and said, what's your second wish? <laughs> Granted. And the genie appears. So one of the things that I want to do is make good use of this time. One of the things that gets me uh, distracted is the an unexpected busyness even in a time when you think that the inputs are fewer, they've actually increased and they're different inputs. Can you speak into that at all? Because I think that instead of a lot of people just kind of sitting around saying, what do you want to do next? Be like, I don't know. Uh, the people that I've spoken to, we are making moves and it's trying to decide, wow, I thought I was a busy guy before until somebody threw the sock drawer on the floor and now we need to just figure out business and relationships and connecting. Can you speak into that at all? Sure. Yeah. And I feel a little bit the same way. Actually, I'm trying to look at that right now because I, I know you know, busyness alone can be its own form of a trauma response through a mental health lens in that it's a way to busy just for busy sake is a way to medicate from uncomfortable emotions and which boredom is the often the avenue that we live when we don't know what to do with ourselves. So let's just go, go, go. So I, I say pay attention to um, how busy impacts your life, both positively and negatively. But I've probably been just like what you described, busier in the last two weeks than even I was before. And finally, today on a group chat that I was hosting, I asked myself the question, the, the, the question which we should all be asking is, what part of this busy is relevant to innovation and pivot and good leadership? And what part of it is I am really uncomfortable sitting still? And I think somewhere in the middle, I hope, is where the magic of this is, because we're all in our own version of a little bit of a mess here. And there is a there is magic in, in, in mess. I've seen everybody, everybody's messes on the other side of them. There's this huge transformational opportunity. That's a space I work in. They call it mental health, but I think it's just life. And I just don't want us to miss the opportunity. Uh, 
and I've been doing probably 50% of the time crisis management, 50% of the time uh, innovation, pivoting, trying to find how do we do what we do in a new creative way. And I've just been evaluating those and looking at those two columns and thinking, okay, crisis management, you would expect week one is going to be 100%. But what about week two? What about week three? What about week four? I'm trying to spend a little bit more time being in reactivity and starting to lean more into productivity. And I hope that other people are doing the same. But for some people who have hustled for their worth and home has been harder than work, then for them, it might not, they not, might not need to write the bestseller while they're in quarantine. They might need to spend a little more time with a spouse or a loved one. I personally think a nice balance of both where it doesn't have to be an all in or the other is that we can take advantage of this time to be more connected to the people around us. And we can also take advantage of innovating and trying to get creative and doing things differently. In other words, we don't have to stop being who we are professionally and personally, but what could we do to be better at both? What I've been uh, trying to do is uh, schedule in times for things I could only do here. I can't think of the last time that I laid out on our backyard on the grass and just stared up for 10 minutes at the clouds going by. And it was just, uh, there was something really beautiful about that. It's like, it's something that in my normal pace and cadence of life, I wouldn't have had time to do. I take 15 or 20 minutes every day and just sit out in the sun uh, on the back porch and uh, no work, no phones, just like just soaking it in. I've interrupted uninterrupted meals with Sweet Maria. And then we've been trying to like gear some of our times outward facing rather than just this, to reach out to some other people, big kids, small kids, uh, to try to uh, make this a time that's memorable for them. And the crazy thing, as these things always work out, is that's what's made it memorable for us. We're going to remember licking stamps on letters to places that are far away and then trying to figure out how much postage to get it there and, um, and finding new ways to connect with uh, grandkids and kids and all that. So I just w hope that what uh, we could do, if you're listening to this and you feel a little worn out, uh, it might be the culmination of a lot of internal work that you're doing. Uh, can you speak to that about trauma and how it works? It doesn't always evidence itself in uh, you getting T-boned at the intersection and you're traumatized because the car isn't paid for and <laughs> it might be your fault and a whole bunch of other things. But to say, how does trauma build up in us? To how do we release it? Is it is it like mercury in a fish that it just keeps like it just comes in but it never goes out? Or how can we, in a beautiful way, release some of that stress? Sure. Yeah. And and you you said it well at the end there. How do we release some of that stress? I kind of look at trauma like it's just compound stress. There's really no human being that, that escapes or doesn't experience stress at some time in their life. And right now we're in kind of our own current reality of if you look at the media cycle, we're all in a version of stress economically, fear for our health, fear for the people that we love. So stress, uh, trauma is when stress gets internalized without a safe outlet and therefore it compounds. And I believe that turns into psychological or emotional trauma as different than the trauma you might experience from a car accident. And there's another component to trauma, which is vicarious and secondary, which is basically we have the ability as empaths and sensitive people 
to take on the stress of other people. And so if you watch the news right now, that's why I'm really trying to tell people to be selective with your input and who you're turning the volume up on and who you need to turn the volume down on, which is something I think I've heard you say before, in that we need to be careful with how much news we're allowing in right now, because we're, whether we know it or not, we're actually taking on the stress of every reporter, that every story that they're telling, and that suddenly becomes ours. And so in a sense, um, I think, I like another way I like to define trauma is anything other than nurturing. And we've all experienced that right now because the two things I think uh, we fear the most as human beings, and this has kind of been scientifically proven, um, is isolation and, and feeling out of control. Well, we got a big scoop of both of those. <laughs> we got a double whammy. <laughs> so it's, it's, that's why, uh, but, but there is this thing in, 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 in trauma that it's kind of comes from the field of positive psychology, which is they call it po not post-traumatic stress, but they call it post-traumatic growth. And I just think that's a beautiful reframe that often the hand that life deals us sometimes can be our biggest opportunity for growth. And I've actually had a front row seat to see thousands and tens of thousands of people who have experienced their own version of emotional trauma, either historic or current, and they don't come out of it injured and set back. They come out of it, I believe, more grounded, more connected, and positioned better to lead and do relationship because they've opened up their heart in a way. And in a sense, they've allowed their heart to catch up with their feet. And that's really what I think trauma recovery is, is when we can slow down long enough that we stop focusing on the tree, but we ground ourselves in the roots. And if you think about a tree, a, a client shared this with me a couple of days ago, you know, she's in her, she's in our long-term residential trauma program. And she said, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to attach to the tree. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, the tree changes. Sometimes it's, there's no leaves and it's dead and sometimes it's blooming and there's flowers and it looks different all the time. And I don't want to attach to that. I want to attach to the roots. And I just yeah. thought that was so beautiful. And I think that's what we have an opportunity to do both coming into this is out of this is let our, our, our heart catch up with our feet and attach to our roots. Well said. And I think for some of us that are acting in a unusual way uh, or were living with or around people that are acting in an unusual way to just realize that this is, it's almost like somebody's got a hand up their back and they're moving their mouth, but it's actually the trauma of all of this. What's happening is you, you have nothing that you feel like you can control. So what we try to do, some of us try to control one another and try to exert a, just a weird amount of control over something that really doesn't matter, like how many forks are in the uh, in the drawer, but you'll like obsess over that thing because at least I can control this. And so <clears throat> if you're listening and you can identify with that, well, what's uh, a path forward for somebody trying to exercise a lot of control over the silliest thing because you go like, no, it is my banana and I'm... <laughs> I'm going to live and die on this thing. This is mine. It's the one thing I can decide. I think we have an opportunity in those moments to step back into an observer role. So if you can catch yourself in real time, 
our emotions right now just know they're more likely to be at a one or a 10 versus a four or a six. And what I mean by that is we're likely to highly minimize them or they're going to be overly, like you said about the banana, <laughs> they're going to be out of whack. So that's okay. It's, it's what's not okay is when we don't know where they are. The opportunity is just knowing, being able to identify and say, okay, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? How big is it in my body? And can I step back in this moment and observe myself in what feels like an overreaction and then do a reset? And, and a reset often takes another person, another person that can kind of mirror us in that moment. Well, I'll give you an example. Last night, uh, was it last night or the night before? Every day feels like a year right now. I think it was. Yeah, I know. But my wife and I were sitting down at the end of the day. You know, we got two small kids. And so we had churned it out and just really, you know, at the end of the day, we were lucky enough to be sitting at the table for dinner. And it was late. And neither of us, I'd had a million adult conversations all day. She'd had none. And she wanted an adult conversation. And her way of doing that was what you might assume anybody might do is, could you tell me about your day or something? Just tell me what's going on with your day. Well, to me, that question felt overwhelming. And I, instead of me hearing a kind invitation to talk to my wife, I went to a nine or a 10. And I was like, she must have no idea how overwhelming and challenging and big my day was and all that I dealt with and the millions of people that I talked to. How could she ask such an insensitive question? <laughs> <laughs> and this is the one when you stood up there and you said, I do and forever. And yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, I didn't, I didn't say that out loud, but I went there in my head. I went there yeah. in my head. And, and so I kind of snapped back with a one fine, you know, which is, um, you've heard me say before, the acronyms freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, if you want to know what fine <laughs> means. But, um, but I just said fine, which that kind of shut her down. And, um, and then I got, and then I realized, and, and I, no, I think I said fine. And then I said, you know, could you be more specific instead of like the whole day? Could you just say like, what do you want to know specifically about my day? <laughs> Nice which, deposition. <laughs> which, which was another way for me to kind of sh shut down a connection opportunity. And then I stepped back and I was like, you know what? It's not really about you. I've been on a lot of stressful phone calls today. And I, I'm, I feel like that was a miss. And could I get a redo? And even with me asking for a redo, that didn't let the guards down. It wasn't that easy. I'd love to tell you it was that easy. Oh, yeah, just say that and they'll come right around. Um, it was in her mind because the way she responded is, well, you always do that. We never can talk about anything because you spend all your time giving to everybody else. And then at the end of the day, you have nothing left to give me. And I'm like, woo, it got escalated fast. And so we, we had this tool that we use in our therapy process um, that is just a one. It's a card that we leave on our refrigerator. And it's three simple steps to tell people how to communicate. And it basically gives you an opportunity to mirror to validate and to empathize. And the way you do it is you just you basically take the card is my only job right now is to say, I, what you're saying is this, I hear what you're saying. And after I mirror that back, I say, did I get everything right? And let her say yes, no, or maybe. And then I'll say, is there more? And then she'll say if there's more. And then I get to validate her by saying, well, you know what, that makes sense to me. And here's why. And then from there, I get to say, I imagine you might feel that's the empathize. Now I'm making it complicated, but on the card, maybe we can put it in the podcast show notes. It is so simple. And it's three simple steps that I pulled it off the refrigerator. There's two of them. She got a copy. I got a copy. 
And our first response was an eye roll. It was like, are we really, you know, what the heck? I mean, we are too <laughs> we're smart. Do we really need a formula right now to connect? And guess what? We did. We yeah. did. And it worked. Our defenses went down. When I heard her, that's all she really wanted. Uh, when I got empathized with about my day, that's all I really wanted. And suddenly our littles, the people underneath the surface that we often neglect, felt seen, heard, valued, and loved and cared for. And so I would say to people right now, the way forward is don't underestimate the stress that is upon us as a, as a culture and a community right now. And don't feel, give yourself permission to go back to the basics. That, that's the basics for us. And in times like these, we need to be able to just simplify it. Let's use the basics. Let's use our resources. Let's find one other person to share our pain with. Let's specifically identify our needs and tell somebody about them. And if you need a formula to do that, I've got a bunch of them because I'm around a bunch of smart therapists all day. Um, that's okay to use right now. Our best agencies are compromised and that's okay. Um, let's use the tools we have at hand to be able to get through this together and come out better for it. Yeah. And to just know that this is a, a, an unusual time and to give yourself a little grace to just, and to give each other kind of some dollops of grace, um, knowing that we each react to the stresses differently. So I'm a pretty upbeat guy. And so I just don't want to have um, sadness and despair get the last word in. And so what I'll tend to do is leapfrog over all the sadness and despair uh, to find the happy. Um, yet it just doesn't uh, acknowledge and validate that, you know, the it's not like reading the room. <laughs> that uh, And so to pause and to say, I think people maybe need to get there with us a little bit at a time. Um, I know I found a tremendous amount of just fun and comfort by you and I just connecting over the phone with quick conversations about nothing in particular, just checking in. We're not doing business. We're not, we're talking about horses we might get someday or just something fun and to find those kinds of conversations. Um, but to have to steer those towards the important things in our life, like how I'm doing with sweet Maria, how you're doing with Vanessa and, uh, to uh, actually take advantage of a time with a little bit slower cadence to go a little bit deeper with your friends. I, I love that was such a good reminder. I'm glad you said it the way you said it. You summed up what I was trying to say in one word. It's grace. And that's what we all deserve a ton of, a boatload of right now is to give and receive a heck of a lot of grace. That's really what we did. We used a little bit of a formula to get there, but ultimately that's what we did. And that's one of the things that makes our friendship unique, I think, is that we're wired differently. And you do, you do create, curate, and feel joy on a level that is contagious. Everybody knows that about you. And I know that about you. And I value that about you. And then I'm somebody who can take people into the deep end. And I'm, I'm often more comfortable there than I am feeling joy. So I would say for everybody else, use your gifting to serve others and then lean on other people's gifting to serve you. I feel like that's what I can do with you. Um, if, you know, I, like I have, I have joy guilt sometimes. Like when I had, I had a really good day Sunday and I was like, man, this was amazing. We're out on the farm and we're actually getting to laugh and take a break and smile. And I was getting ready to post a picture of 
that my wife captured of me with my kids. And I had the biggest smile on my face and I didn't know she was taking a picture. It was real. And I was like, well, I don't know if I need to post that because there's a lot of sad people out there right now. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so I, yeah. I think however we're wired, use that to serve other people. Cause I can help people who, who typically leapfrog hard emotions. And then you can help me embrace the, the, the beautiful ones. And that's the counterbalance. And let people know what you need as best you can define it. Um, it's sometimes it's hard to self-prescribe, but to let people know what you need, I just need to have a fun conversation, not talk about any viruses. Cause I went about 60 years without talking about any of them. And I'd like to go just 60 minutes without talking about one of them. <laughs> you know, I just say you could just declare it a free zone of doesn't mean the issues that are surrounding aren't there, but we can change our language up. Um, so that we'd say, um, I'll tell you what, uh, what I need right now is just five minutes. Uh, let me tell you how I really, really feel. Uh, you know, we have a flagpole in the backyard. And when the kids were young, we'd put a flag up when the other kids in the neighborhood could come and play. <laughs> They'd know when to come. So we'd hoist that thing up. So use your flagpole. Get I have a friend that uh, put a chocolate cake uh, flag up and they put that up when they need chocolate cake. If they want a muffin, they put the muffin flag up. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Just let people know what you need. Yeah, you say frozen turkey, like whatever it is. But one of the things that I think that we're doing, if we don't identify that need, then people don't know how to meet it. But if we don't do the work ourselves, we don't know how to identify. We can't. So using a moment to just say, I'm feeling lonely right now. And while surrounded with a lot of people, I can feel really lonely. When I get lonely, try to pull myself out of that by pulling, yanking back hard to get the nose of this airplane back up again. And so sometimes instead of actually go in that cave and exploring around down there and say, I wonder where that came from. Or, well, why do I need this kind of validation from that person that I didn't get to talk to somebody that you love about? You don't have to mention that other person's name, but say I had an experience today and I made me feel really awkward and here's why. Uh, and it was the confluence of these things. And the role of the other person is just to listen, not to fix. Don't say, don't say, you know, that's okay. You were right. They were wrong. You just shut up <laughs> and say like, wow. And to your point about mirroring to say, man, wow, you've done that so well in our friendship for years. You've just let me just say my piece and you go like, wow, that'd be a lot for somebody to carry around. It, it, I, I think it matters so much right now. And it, And I would even say on the, the mental health side, there's there's such an opportunity right now because, you know, I've been fortunate in my profession to serve a lot of vulnerable populations through our foundation work with veterans to, uh, you know, we've, we've collaborated some with Love Does and worked with trafficking survivors in different groups. And it often when you have, so let's say I've got a combat veteran that comes into a program very rarely do we look at what happened in combat. We always end up tracing it all the way back into our story is what happened when I was eight, when dad left home. And so if you're feeling some of the trauma of this current pandemic, it's often not the pandemic that's going to surface. It's what happened to us previously in our life that we haven't slowed down long enough to experience. And so what I want to say relative to what you're saying about not feeling like we have to dive in and talk about this all the time, which may be surprising for 
some of you to hear me say, because I'm such an advocate for let's go get it and reconcile this stuff is you don't have to right now. Um, I, I do think it's important and I think it's a great opportunity for so many of us and there's creative, innovative ways to do that online. We've got some new ways we're doing it online. Um, and I think for many of us, you've never had the time. It's a perfect time. But for some of us, for things that may be coming up for you, if it's stress or difficulty, or even if it's watching the talking about the pandemic nonstop or the virus nonstop, you get to push pause on that, lay in your backyard and look up at the sky. I'm telling you, that is, it feels like a, a holy ground. And it's so accessible for all of us to do. If you don't have a lawn, find some sidewalk to do it on. But to give yourself that moment to just reflect and say, here I am, be all there, and to say, okay, so who am I? How did I get here? And then what am I going to do next? I got to tell you, Miles, I got a phone call from a, a friend that went to onsite and, uh, and, uh, I got a phone call and he said, I hate your guts. <laughs> I can't believe you. So he had no idea what was going to happen. And he came out a changed guy. And then to see the ripples that are going out in this amazing family, each one, um, just change. How do people get a hold of you if they're trying to, uh, do an on-site type experience is that because I know you're online now uh, until this thing passes sync us up on that yeah thank you for asking we uh I'm really excited to well one I'm excited that on-site is now officially online and anything that you could do with us in person on the workshops we now have our team has done so well getting creative and now we can make those offerings available they are available online and I got a call from our uh, one of our clinical supervisors, Carlos, uh, yesterday and, and talked to Christine as well, because we're three days into our first group that we're taking through the online process. And of course, you can imagine me who's used to doing things in person. I was worried. I was like, is it going to work? You know, is it going to connect? Not that we're the first to go online, but what we do is a little different. There's, a, a, you know, a million online places you can go to get an hour to talk to a therapist, but ours is not so much talk. It's a little more creative than that. It's experiential in nature. So what parts of that puzzle can you make come alive in a video format? And I got to tell you, Bob, I am so proud of my team because at first we thought maybe 50% of it, maybe 40. And now we're like maybe 90%. Oh yeah. I'm talking to some of those people and you are making their head spin. Wow, it, it was so good to get that message from my team. It was like, I was like, how's it going? They were like, amazing. The people that are on these, that we're doing these video calls with are getting more than we thought they were going to get. So yeah, you can check us out at onsiteworkshops.com. Call our admissions team and inquire about any of our uh, online offerings. And, and we'd love to be able to serve you. Thanks for asking. And, and don't be alone in this uh, as we're kind of landing the plane here. If you're lonely, if you're feeling isolated, if you feel the walls are crushing in on you, uh, you find somebody uh, smart like Miles and his team uh, do that work. Um, uh, if you want somebody who isn't particularly smart but is uh, really available, give me a call. Here's my phone number, 619-985-4747. Um, you just shouldn't be alone in this or drop me a note. Uh, but we're going to be in this together, and I'm glad for voices of like yours in my life, Miles. Thanks for loving me well as a friend. Thanks for the gift that you are to so many other people.
Thank you, Bob. I love you, buddy. And yeah, we will. What we can't do alone, we absolutely will do together. And uh, that I have seen collectively work over and over and over again. And I think it's going to work now. So if you are feeling alone, it may not be us. Um, you may not have the resources for us. I know the economy is stressed right now, but we're going to help you anyway. So call us and we'll figure out how to connect the dots for a resource that may work for you, even if it costs nothing. We want to help you get where you need to get going right now together. The most frequent questions we hear at Dream Big are actually really simple. The questions are this, how do I do it? How do I focus on my ambitions and bring them to life? How do I reorganize everything and move towards these dreams that are inside me? That's what Dream Big is all about. And we want to give you an actual resource that you can use so that you can move from your ideas and your ambitions to reality. So go to the link in the show notes, download a really simple workbook that you can use today. Well, Bob, one of the things that was sticking out to me as you guys were, sh- were sharing, uh, I know for me, it's uh, it's tempting to not go there. It's tempting for me just to keep working. Uh, my wife keeps checking in with me. So how are you feeling about all this? And my instant response, I don't share my instant response, but it's like, what do you mean? How am I feeling? I'm just, I'm going through it. I'm getting through all this. I'm in survival mode. How, how are you doing? And we're week three into this whole shutdown. How are you doing? How are you responding? Yeah, it's been a really interesting time of some personal discovery. What I found is having some really neat uh, scheduling items has been good. I've actually set uh, an alarm. A friend gave me this idea to set an alarm on my watch and every hour or two, at whatever cadence is good for you, just stop when the alarm goes off, just take a breath. Fill your heart with gratefulness for what's going on around you and then get back to work. And that's been nice. It's been building building in these new rhythms in my life that weren't there before. Uh, I'm trying to make this time not just a productive time like a, you know, financially don't go out of business, keep everybody employed kind of productive, but a productive time uh, interpersonally that Maria and I would grow closer, that the kids would feel supported, that we would be emotionally available to each other because we're physically available. It's the emotional availability that I think can be hard in work week three or four, wherever you are in the process. I know I've got friends, I'm sure you do too, who are stuck in anxiety. They're on the news all day long. They're checking in 